Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Today, we have a super duper guest, hands across the pond, speaking to Miss Emma Bird, who is a delightful teacher, wonderful improviser, and actor. Emma, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you, Margot. Yeah, really, really great to speak with you today. It's really great. So we, I just finished a class with Emma. Most of the folks were over in Liverpool and other parts of England, and it was wonderful when I could understand what they were saying. <laughs> it's so true. It's quite an interesting thing now, isn't it? When we, we can now improvise with people across the world. And there are, there are of course, um, cultural references uh, or accents or whatever that are new to our ears. And so it's so, uh, I find it really fascinating that we can, um, we can, we can have cross-cultural exchange through improv. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you could get to understand us sometimes. <laughs> At least nobody was from Wales, so I was safe, I think. If we had some Welsh people in there, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. There's actually, uh, there's some very strong accents, regional accents in, in the UK. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, I, I quite like our regional accents, um, but even sometimes I struggle to understand somebody who's got like a very strong Scottish accent or a very strong um, Newcastle. Sometimes it's quite hard to to follow, but I, I enjoy the sound of it. <laughs> oh, I love, I love the English British speech. I just love it so much. So hopefully I'll be able to do a British accent better after exposure. So let us, find, I want to find out how did you, were you an actor first? When you were a little girl, what did you want to do? Tell me a little bit about your story, Emma. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I, uh, I've been acting professionally for ooh, 30 years, 30 years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I think if my maths is right. Um, yeah, I first had, yeah, I first did my professional uh, acting job in 1990. So um, it's, it's, it's what I've always done. I, it's funny because when I was in school, I was quite a shy person, quite a shy girl, really. And I didn't really fit into any groups. Like, so I wasn't sporty. I wasn't brainy. I certainly wasn't like the popular kids, you know. So um, I didn't really have, I didn't really find my tribe until I went to my local community youth theatre. And uh, so when I went to my local youth theatre, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is my home. You know, I, I felt like this is my tribe. This is, this is where I can, I feel free and um, I can express myself in ways that I couldn't express in 
real life, right? So, um, so ever since then, I think I went when I was 13 to the youth theater and then, um, I was happy. And, uh, then I was so lucky to start acting, uh, at quite a young age professionally. And, um, yeah, I, I just continued from there. And then I guess, the last um, 10 years or tw actually 12 years I've been improvising for now. Um, so I, that's where my interest led me was um, I first started improvising with um, the Maydays uh, who are an awesome UK team over here. And they, uh, I just went to their drop-in class um, and that was hooked straight away. I found it really freeing, very expressive actually probably very similar experience to when I first went to the youth theatre, like uh, just that feeling of play really. And um, so yeah, that was about 12, 13 years ago. And I just, I've just explored improv um, ever since. Yeah. And got into directing and teaching improv over the last sort of half a decade or so. It's so brilliant. Someone once said that improvisers and probably actors too are all from the island of misfit toys. Do you agree with that? Because I certainly do. I wasn't in any cliques or anything. And my life really opened up when I took my first improv class at a slightly older age than you were when I started. So you have your own, the May Days, of course, I've heard of. They're a wonderful group, terrific. And so tell me about some of the other places places or people you studied with and what were some big impacts on you as you were learning improv? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've been really lucky because, um, the, the May days, um, uh, bring a lot of people over from the States, um, to teach improv. So I've had some really great intensive, like weeks intensives with, um, like Susan Messing, Rachel Mason. Um, they were, <laughs> <laughs> they were, I mean, it was so interesting to study with them. Um, like Rachel was very, she's so intelligent. She's very analytical, which I, I, I need, I think I need that. Um, and Susan was like, ah, just embrace the crazy. Um, and so I, I enjoy that as well. So they, they, as a sort of tag team coaching team, they really complement each other very much. So that, that was a great experience. Um, and yeah, I've had, um, I've had a session weekend intensive with Michael Gelman. Um, that was really awesome. Yeah, he's so knowledgeable. Um, I had a weekend intensive with Armando Diaz, um, which I know he's, and he sort of taught a new format, uh, one of his formats to us called the Evente. So um, that was that was a pretty cool experience, um, and I think I think my most recent experience was I went over to Copenhagen International Festival Improv Festival when Jay Suko was running Copenhagen um, Improv School, and um, so this gorgeous, great festival in Copenhagen. Uh, I, and I've never been to Denmark before. So it was like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing country and an amazing festival. And my teacher for that week was Jamie Moyer. And uh, Jamie Moyer is like from, she's out of uh, Hollywood, Westside, uh, um, MI, MI Westside, I think, or, no, or Second City, Hollywood. Um, and she's, I think, originally from Detroit. 
So Jamie Moyer is like the, the funnest teacher I've had. She's so fun and she's all about the play and the fun and, but she's incredibly gifted with her coaching notes as well. Um, so yeah, I would, I would be in her class every day, nine to five every day. And then every evening at, at the festival, the, there was so much improv to go and see. And the teachers team um, got together. There was like oh, all sorts of teams. Uh, Jamie, Jay, um, Brian Palermo was teaching that week. So he was in the team. Craig Krakowski was there. Um, so they formed a smash team every single night and did a show. So, you're, you're, you know, I'm sitting there watching like masterclass uh kind of ju just the, the the prowess of the, their experience on stage so to watch them perform every single night taught me so much as well so um that was my latest kind of um intensive training yeah jamie moyer it was awesome uh that's beautiful and so many commonalities and approaches oh i know Sometimes people get hung up on schools or forms and things like that. I kind of think it's BS. I think, you know, there's, we say there's no rules. Of course, there's some ideas and things we want to have, like yes and and acceptance, but we can certainly throw them all out the window too once we've been playing for a while. I don't, I don't know what you think about that. Oh yeah, 100% agree. Um, you know, it's funny because in a way, um, UK improvisers, have sort of we're lucky in a way that I think that we have the UK improv scene has is a probably a composite of lots and lots of US improv styles so we haven't been beholden to big schools like Second City, IO, UCB you know there's I think there's a lot of perhaps there's been a lot of tribalism in the US improv um scene and you're from a particular school so therefore you improvise in a particular way or, or that kind of stuff whereas i think because we're in the uk we've been exposed to the variety of ucb io second city and so many others um um you know pgraph you know down in austin texas they've come over so i think we've kind of or certainly i have absorbed a series of different influences and I don't subscribe to a single school. I just take what is useful for me and use it. And if it's not useful to me, I don't use it. And I, and I say that to my students as well. I, I just say, look, this is like the way I understand X, Y, or Z is this. Um, but there's lots of different ways of doing it and or such and such is called different things. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's like, a, what do I, I think it's a menu, improv is a menu. And you take what you like and you discard what you don't. So thankfully, we, I haven't had to, I haven't subscribed to a particular school. I've just benefited from all schools of thinking. Take the best and leave the rest. And since we just finished a class that you were teaching, I can attest to your wonderful teaching, coaching, directing skills. Very open, very accepting, uh, non-judgmental, everything a good teacher could be and is that's you emma bird so oh. tell me about when you started getting into teaching and how that worked 
Oh, well, thank you for that, um, first off. Um, yeah, I, um, so I, I co-founded my first improv team um, when I lived, I lived on the South Coast in Brighton for a while. And so I co-founded an improv team. We were mainly short form and that's what we were in, into. We, we just had some May Days training, um, quite a lot of their courses. And we were like, oh, let's set up our own team. So we did and we started performing. And I think a lot of my interest in directing um, and teaching improv came from there because I was actor trained and, and I, I was an actor and a director in theater. So I, I think I could bring a lot of skills into the improv team, um, which is like basically the third eye, you know, often I, I was like um, suggesting things that traditionally would be the director's role. If you're talking in theater, um, that was probably the role that I was taking quite a lot in the improv team. I was directing um, because I had theater directing and acting background. So I think I brought all that into the improv team. So then I started getting a lot more interested in, in, in coaching and um, teaching improv as well as performing. So yeah, uh, that's where it started, I think. And then I, I, I uh, returned home uh, to live in Liverpool, having lived outside of Liverpool for 22 years or so. I, I decided to move back to this beautiful city, Liverpool. And, um, and that's when I set up Liverpool Comedy Improv. And this year is our fifth year anniversary. So I built something from scratch um, over the last five years and um, it's an amazing community here uh, and um, very open very open-minded very welcoming very friendly and um, so that's basically I've been intensively teaching for the last five years teaching improv for the last five years yeah brilliant and your students are really blessed to have you so you. how are you adjusting right now to our new way of doing improv yeah oh gosh i mean margot it's just such a it's such a gear change hasn't it over the last five months uh, we've we've had to adapt improvisers have had to adapt so quickly and thankfully improvisers are great at adapting that is what we do we adapt we pivot we think on our feet um we accept the new reality pretty pretty quick uh not all of us but some of us and i am one of those people who accepted the new reality pretty darn quick and I, and plus the fact of course this is my main source of income so for me it was a survival existentialist issue like if i don't make this work i don't have an income so um it was the, there was a real urgency to um make this work and i have loved it absolutely love improvising on zoom it's just so like for one we get to improvise with international people which is incredible um for two we get to do all sorts of amazing fun stuff that you we didn't really do in person so um props and costume have come back there's a renaissance of props costume puppets um also all that all that kind of stuff there's a renaissance of that within improv 
which we didn't really do in person. And I and now I'm thinking, why did not? Why didn't we do that in in person improv? Because it's such a fun thing to do. Put on a hat, bring in a prop. It can inspire so many ideas and so many characters and so many stories. So, so there's been a lot of innovation within improv over the last five months. And, um, and I'm really grateful for that because, you know, it's because it's hard, right? The, the people are suffering in the world with us. There's, there's COVID, there's Black Lives Matter. There's so much um, real angst and grief and there's political upheaval. So it's so nice to be able to, you know, whilst acknowledging that that is happening, it's nice to be able to play online in an innovative, exciting new way. Um, that it's connected improvisers right across the world, and I, I, I've loved it. I'm, I'm loving it still. I don't, I, 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 I don't think it'll stop. I certainly, for one, even when it's safe to be back in person, online improv, I'm always going to do that because it brings a lot of joy to a lot of people, particularly people who can't access improv. Like if you're at home, if you're elderly, if you're ill, if you're disabled, if you're a parent. If you're shy, if you're socially anxious, you know, there's so many barriers to people going to an in-person improv class. Whereas online, you just sit in your own living room, switch on the computer, and before you know it, you're doing something that you didn't think was possible for yourself. Um, so it's just in terms of accessibility, Zoom prof should stay. I totally agree with you. I've, people say, aren't you bored staying at home? And no, I'm not bored because if I'm not seeing clients, I am in a class or a drop-in or I'm teaching. So I'm very happy with the whole situation. But thinking about social justice and what's going on in the world today, I think it's very interesting that in the States, at least, improv started with basically David Shepard and Viola Spolin, and it was really something to help the people. It was devised to help the immigrants, to help the disenfranchised. And that's what's so brilliant about us being able to teach all over the world and connect with people and go to these fantastic festivals. So I think Zoom is definitely here to stay. And the other thing about Zoom, I don't know if you've thought about this much, but you know, you can manipulate it. So you just have maybe two players um, and it, it's kind of like a, a movie. You know, if you position them right, they're doing scenes with each other and you have the same backdrop. So you're really doing more acting in a way than, than before. And the props, wonderful idea too. I think when I first met you, you were wearing a hat and I met you in one of Jay Succo's classes and I went, that's the girl for me. So, um, so, and I've mentioned before how much I love Liverpool. We've yeah. been to England several times but we always, always go to Liverpool because my husband and I met because of our love of the Beatles. So um, I, it's a beautiful city and there's so much to it. Um, do you want to do a promo on your love of Liverpool? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Liverpool, um, basically, oh God, what can I say about Liverpool? Oof, there's a whole lot of history there. There's, it's, it's a, it's a, um, Economically and um, demographically, it's a it's a it's a working class city um, where there's 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 been a lot of economic depression, um, especially from like the 1980s with Thatcherism, and um, 
I think it's an amazing renaissance that the city has experienced over the last um, way, yeah, maybe 10 years or so. When I left Liverpool 20 odd years ago, over like probably 25 years ago, nearly 30 years ago, um, it was a very depressed city. And when I came back five years, six years ago, it was just uh, such an such an amazing city to be in. And I think uh, the architecture, for example, is beautiful. The waterfront with the this this the vast, the mighty River Mersey is just uh, beautiful. Um, and it's just the people, in fact, really that I really I'm really glad to be back home where people are friendly. Um, I lived in the south of England for a very long time, and it's not as friendly um, down south as it is up here in Liverpool. And um, people talk to people. People have got time to talk to you. Well, you know, you can chat with someone on the bus, at the bus stop, on the train, in the shop, on the street, um, with your neighbours. You know, people will uh, be more than happy to have a little chat and a little bit of banter and help each other out quite a lot. Um, so yeah, visit Liverpool. It's just, it's beautiful and friendly. So it's a win-win. <laughs> it's lovely. And once we're traveling again, whoever, when, however, when, um, I'm sure we're going to try to go back there because we just adore it. And you know, the history of the Beatles all over the city and the yeah. other history as well. So it's, and of course we'll get to see you in person then. Of course, uh, you'd be uh, very welcome. Yeah. I, I think there's been limitations with the pandemic, but there's also been opportunity. And I think there is an awakening of consciousness. I'm a few years older than you. And, <clears throat> and uh, you know, uh, I went to Woodstock. That'll give you an idea of my age. And, and so I was in the peace, love, happiness generation where we thought love is all you need. And I think in improv, love is one of the most important factors. What do you think about that? Yes, Margot, 100%. It's so interesting. Like, um, I find myself coaching more and more the same note to beginner improvisers, which is like each other in, in your scene. Um, uh, in fact, you saw it tonight, right? Uh, somebody in class initiated a scene which sounded negative to me and a little bit argumentative and so uh and it, it's not that it was intentional it's just that that's what happened and i think we default to conflict and negativity we default to that position so darn quickly and so my note so many times in so many sessions now is like each other or start again and be positive or I mean I, I taught a class earlier in the day today um, I teach a class for mental health and well-being so improv for improv for mental health and well-being and um, I, I just uh, uh, the game that I set up for them to do was you have to find as many opportunities as possible in this scene to compliment or praise your scene partner um, so even if there's an accusation or a slight negativity in the scene, you have to find a way to pivot that into a compliment. So it, you know what I mean? And, and they just latched onto this, onto this game so, so well. And it was such a beautiful thing to watch was like people complimenting people for like simple things like, 
you know, you know, Bob, you, you're standing on that chair just so elegantly. And I'm like, yes, that's a compliment, you know? Um, and it's like, oh, you choose, you know, you choose the best restaurants to go to Sylvia. And it's like, yes, compliment. And um, so it's, it's a really, it's just so goddamn important to make each other feel good. Um, not just for improv, but for life, you know, <laughs> like, there's a lot of grief in the world. There's a lot of hard, hard knocks going on. There's a lot of hardship. And um, we have to be conscious about validating each other. And, and improv is such a beautiful medium to do that. It, 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 like, I, I can't think of a better way to live out these amazing, beautiful worlds um, via improv. Um, because the world in reality ain't like that. So let's make it happen in improv. <laughs> and you know, uh, when we're doing teaching, yes, and a lot of people want to go to yes, but, <laughs> yes, but, or it's really interesting because we're so used to no people mm -hmm. saying no, whether it's children or teens or workers or whatever, that word no just gets in the way of so much. And that's why this is so freeing and so wonderfully usable for all kinds of populations. You mentioned people who are disabled, who, are, you know, all kinds of, it's, we can do it with so many people. It's so lovely. It yeah. just really is. So I want to ask you another question. And that was, uh, it's kind of a funky question, but where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> Wowzers, that's so hard to answer. Um, I think it's hard to answer for so many reasons. Um, one, we're living in a global pandemic, which is a kind of global trauma. So we actually don't really know <laughs> what's going to happen, um, you know, in the next few months, never mind in the next few years. Um, it's a difficult question to answer also because I'm a freelancer. I, I live a precarious life. Um, and I'm very much hand to mouth, so I can't really plan much ahead. Um, um, it's another hard question to answer because like uh, my parents are of a, I mean, they're in their late seventies now. So uh, probably in the next five years, I'm gonna have to say goodbye to them. And I think that will hugely um, change my life. Um, so, uh, that's such a tough question to, I mean, hey, I might meet someone and fall in love. That might, that's going to, that might change my life. So, <laughs> so it's a really, that's a tough little question there, Margot. Um, I said, I wasn't totally being in the moment and we know improv is the new mindfulness. So, uh, or improv is mindfulness. So I was taking us way out of today. So getting back into today. So you've got a busy, busy schedule, many different classes, I'm assuming. And do you do any uh, improv is acting on a lot of levels. Um, we've got the, uh, our, the character and the actor, I like to think of that, you know. Um, and so uh, do you do any more, are you doing any film or act? Well, there's no film going on right now, is there? So um, yeah, have you done, I mean, since you started your own school and everything, have you done any, any were you doing any film work at all? Um, less film and TV actually. And I did a lot of, I did a lot of, um, uh, sort of TV and film work in my early twenties, because guess what? That's when you're aesthetically pleasing to the patriarchy. So, <laughs> so that's kind of like, 
uh, what happened and then you get to you, you know you hit a certain sort of bump in the road in terms of age and um, it's the film and TV world is less accepting particularly for women um, after you get to a certain age but the theatre is a very welcoming place still thankfully so then I started doing um, a lot more theatre work um, and uh, the late the last sort of thing that I performed in was actually uh, last this time last year pretty much I was rehearsing for um, Death in the Maiden which um, was written by Ariel Dorfman who's a Chilean writer um, obviously Sigourney Weaver made that into uh, a well-known film Roman Polanski directed it but the 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 play Death and the Maiden is um, incredible. It's basically a hugely powerful and um, complex female woman in in her forties um, that is the lead. And how rare is that <laughs> to get a woman that's rounded, complex, and is in her forties? It's very uh, it's very hard to find those roles. So I produced. Um, the, this play, I performed in the play. I got in a director friend of mine to direct it. Um, so, uh, and I performed uh, the lead character in Death and the Maiden. And it was very interesting because Death and the Maiden, it talks about a post dictatorship. You know, it's post Pinochet, Chile. That's when the, uh, the play is set. And for me, it was just so timely, so relevant. Um, I mean, I'm a pretty left-wing person. So for me, I worry, I worry a lot about politics and dictatorship and um, Trump <laughs> and other kind of dictatorial uh, moves that we see in the, pol in the political world. And I, so I think we can learn a lot from plays, from theater and from books and poetry and art that express, um, you know, our political fears, really. So I, uh, I did that this time last year. That was really groovy. <laughs> oh, I bet it was. And theater of the oppressed is a whole other topic we could go into probably. Yeah, I've taught, I've taught um, theater of the oppressed, um, Augusto Boal, yeah. Um, I've, I've practiced forum theater. I've taught forum theater. Um, it's a hugely powerful social tool, theater for social change. Um, and, and I guess that's a crossover with playback theatre as well, which is yep. a, there's a kind of, um, that's like theatre for personal change or social change. And it's all improv. <laughs> it's all improv. I, I was thinking about this the other day. There are so many different forms of improvisation and comedy improvisation is just one form of improv. Um, improv is vast as an umbrella, as an umbrella kind of art form. You know, there's comedy improvisation, but there's also narrative, dramatic, there's playback, there's forum theatre, there's mask, clown, commedia dell'arte. There's so many forms of improv. Um, and so I reminded myself about that today. I just thought, oh, I'm just, I'm just teaching one aspect of improv and that happens to be imp improvised comedy, but there's so many forms of it. And I think that's another benefit of being on Zoom. Uh, I'm highly influenced right now by um, the Adam and Eves in, based in Bangalore in India. And um, one of their performers, Lakshmi, is a playback theater practitioner. In fact, two of the Adam and Eves are playback theater practitioners. 
Um, so I think, yes, let's bring in influences from different, not only from different countries and cultures, but different forms of improv. Bring in a bit of playback theatre into improv. Bring in Commedia dell'arte into improv. Um, because it's all the same thing. It's just different branches of, different branches really of the same thing. Um, so I'm enjoying thinking about that. <laughs> There's a lot to think about, and I love your energy and your enthusiasm. And you know, today is August 18th. We're recording on August 18th, which happens to be the hundredth year anniversary of the suffrage movement in the United States. Wow, awesome! And my birthday. Happy so, birthday, uh, Happy birthday! Yay! Thank you. Such a special day. It has been wonderful speaking with you today, and I hope we have more chats like this because. I feel that even though we have some generational changes, we get a lot of the same cultural references and that love from improv keeps us passionate. Yeah. So if you wanted to say anything about anything about anything as we end this interview and basically it could be about improv, um, let's hear some more thoughts from you before we say adieu. <laughs> cool. Um, yes, um, for me, um, yeah, I, does, I have a quote on, that I came across from John, John Dewey, who was a radical educationalist in America. And of course, there's crossovers between John Dewey and Viola Spolin and Never Boyd. And um, it's, it's something, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something along the lines of, art is not the possession of, of the privileged few. It is the, um, the absolute ne necessary expression of every single human being. Um, I'm paraphrase that very badly, but it's along those lines. And I think, I think that's what I believe in. It's like uh, art, and I include improv, is for everybody. So it's not just for... Um, you know a certain demographic which traditionally for example has been like the white white men <laughs> um art is not just for the privileged few it is for um absolutely everyone and um and i think that's what i try and do with my with liverpool comedy improv i try and offer classes that embrace every single person even the shy people even the people who aren't performers even the people who have the people who think oh that's not for me you know let me tell you improv is for you <laughs> improv is for everybody and I, I you know if if everyone on this planet just took one improv class in their life then i think we would probably be in a better better world um because it's the essence of play and, and, and acceptance and creativity and freedom. And I just think, I just think everybody should do it <laughs> at least just once, you know, just try it before, before deciding it is or isn't for you. Um, because we all have inherent creativity within, within us. And I think improv is one of the tools that I, I find brings out our inherent creativity um, which is frequently suppressed in society. So um, that's why I think everyone should take improv. <laughs> Express your inherent creativity. And play and have fun. And yeah. that was so well put, Emma. Thank you so much for being a guest today. And I appreciate your time. And I know I'm going to see more of you. I think that's definitely in the future for me, more of Emma Bird and Liverpool. <laughs> 
improv. So thank you again for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking as well. Like I always, I always enjoy talking about improv and um, meeting people from right across the world. Uh, so thank you for asking. That's been a real pleasure and happy birthday. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.